the National Archives podcast series, the Manorial Documents Register, presented by Liz Hart. I thought what I'd do in my talk today would um, give you a brief introduction to the manorial system and the types of records created from it, and then some background information about the Manorial Documents Register itself. Then I thought I'd show you how to use the Manorial Documents Register, both the paper format and the online version, and then tell you about future projects involving the Manorial Documents Register. So, what is the manorial system? Well, it's a system of land holding and administration which dates back at least as far as the Norman Conquest. But it was in the succeeding centuries that it took hold across much of England and the lowland of Wales. It's quite hard to give a single definition of what a manor is, but in general terms, they were landed estates of varying sizes administered by their lords as a single unit. The lord provided protection to their tenants in return for their services and rents. The precise nature of these mutual obligations was defined and regulated by the custom of each manor as it evolved over the years in its own court, an institution that lay at the heart of the manorial system. It's generally agreed that in the absence of a manor court, a property could not properly be termed a manor. So the lord or his steward presided over this court with tenants as jurors. The court defined and regulated conditions of tenure, decided such matters as rights of the lord and tenant over common wasteland, the making of bylaws and the appointment of minor officials. In some cases, it might also have jurisdiction over petty offences such as trespass, brawling or theft, and sometimes even higher criminal offences. Therefore, manorial records are an important source of information about people, <coughs> communities and places in England and Wales. These records date back to the 12th century and survive in increasingly large numbers from the 14th to the 20th century. And subjects covered by them include agriculture, land ownership, crime, industrial development, urban growth and diet, as well as the wider topics of family, house and local history. So what are manorial records? Well, they're created from the administration and customs of the manorial system. Records include court rolls, surveys, maps, terriers, documents and books of every description relating to the boundaries, franchises, wastes, customs or courts of a manor. Now what I thought I would do is briefly describe the different types of records, the main ones, and, sort of, and how they can be helpful with your research. Now this is a, an example of a court roll for a Whitehall up in Cumbria. And court rolls were produced by the manor courts and they're going to be of the most interest to you as they contain information about tenants and other inhabitants of the manor. Now the manor court or court baron administered the customs of the manor, including the settlement of disputes amongst tenants, including boundary disputes and local quarrels, and the transfer of copyhold land. And I thought I'd better explain what copyhold is. So copyhold tenants were restricted in what they could do with their land and needed permission from the manorial court to inherit, sell, sublet, buy or mortgage their property. Now these transactions were recorded in the court rolls and uh, a copy was given to the tenant as proof of title to this piece of land. And also what else will be recorded in the, the court roll will be if a new tenant took over a piece of copyhold property, he had to pay an entry fine to the Lord, so that will be recorded. And when a copyhold tenant died, 
a payment called a Heriot had to be made, so that also will be recorded. And so you'll get the transfer of, of property through the generations, which will be recorded in the court rolls, as well as the legal disputes. The problem with court rolls is they won't record, unlikely to record, subtenants or any who lacked any formal connection, unless they had infringed manorial custom, like taking wood or turf from the commons without licence or fishing illegally. So they might appear then. Now, some manorial laws also had the right to hold a court leet, which was required to meet twice a year. And this allowed the Lord to punish a wide range of minor offences, not directly connected with the customs of the manor. And so this included uh, women engaged in brewing, and men and women involved in brawls or who drew blood. Now, this one, it's not, it's not the clearest um, image, but this is in a street for the manor of Richmond in Surrey. And what it does, it gives details of the immersements or fines that individuals had to pay for the court leet. And this is from 1642, just really before the outbreak of civil war. And right at the bottom, it says item of, and it's Dr. Olden. And he's being fined for, for an assault and a fray on, on a constable uh, for fighting. And he's drawn blood. Right at the bottom, it says, it's drawn blood. And sort of in the middle, sort of slightly blurred, I'm afraid, is, it says, Goodwife Hughes. And she's fined as a common scold and brawler to the annoyance of her neighbours and disturbance of the peace. And what you do find is in the margin, sometimes you'll get sort of little annotated notes. And I'll come over here. So this is the good wife Hughes. And in here it says she takes arms. So they just annotate it. So there'd be sometimes interesting little extras that they've written in. Now, another type of record were surveys. And these were really designed to give an overall view of the landholding of a manor at a given time. Now, reason for a survey could be the advent of a new manorial lord, either by inheritance or purchase. And it usually contains a list of the tenants and their holdings as a record of the obligations owed by the tenants to their lord. And occasionally within the survey, you'll get a presentment by the jury, those who have conducted the survey, relating to the customs of the manor. And these rights refer to the frequency of court meetings, the entitlement of tenants to timber and lime from the manor, but also what they'll note is the customs of inheritance of land. And this is an example for, again, for Richmond. It's from a parliamentary survey. And it talks about the inheritance of land. And in this case, it's passed to the youngest son, and in the absence of a son, it's passed to the youngest daughter. So it's something to bear in mind when you're looking at court rolls and the transfer of land, that one shouldn't assume that it always goes to the eldest son. So you've got to bear in mind what the customs was of that particular manor. Now, another type of manorial record is a rental. This is a Cornish one from the, I think it's the 18th century. I can't see so well from here. And what it is, is it lists the annual rents paid to the Lord by freehold and copyhold tenants. And this is a good way to sort of track down freehold tenants, because they're not usually mentioned in court rolls. What it does, it includes their name, details of the property or land that they held, by what tenure and for what rent. And in these ones, it gives the name of the property, the tenant, and then the following lives. And it also gives the relationships between the various tenants. And what's quite interesting here, it's given the, it gives the age of each of the tenants. And occasionally it'll tell you 
when they died. So you, it's quite good in, in following, if you're doing family history, following it through. And then later records include maps. Now, maps are quite expensive to make, so you don't really find them too early. But I've got an example of a 16th century map. And I have to say it's more akin to a picture than a, a map, because it, it isn't to scale. And in this case, this is a 16th century map of Leithley in Yorkshire. And what it was done was drawn up to define boundaries which were in dispute between the Lord and his tenants. So it was quite a, a colourful document. But maps normally contain information on the type of land in the manor, the wood or the parkland. And sort of later ones, like this one, which is 1772, this is the manor of Chertsey, this will also provide you with sort of the features, the roads, the forests, the fields, and if you're very lucky, it'll also tell you which parishes the manor covers and also the boundaries of the other parishes beside it. And sometimes it'll also name the tenants on that map. And another type of record, which I haven't got an example of, but I'm going to show you a, a site where you can find this information, is manorial accounts. Now these are useful, for, I think, for economic historians more, but what they'll do is give you an idea of the money coming into the manor between the Lord and a local official who managed it. So it gives you an idea of, of the wealth of the manor. But I have to say, sadly, manorial records are um, an underused resource. Now, one of the reasons may be um, its language or handwriting. Manorial records were drawn up using standard conventions, and the general format can be learnt. Court records were in Latin until 1733, except for a brief period during the English Civil War, when they'll be in English. But what I have to say is, if you work with the later documents first, you can, st you can learn the format and then go back to, go forward, go to the earlier records, and then it'll be easier to understand how they work. But we do have online tutorials here at the National Archives to do with paleography and Latin, so that's sort of worth bearing in mind. You can have a go at those. Now, what I want to show you is the Cumbrian Manorial Records. This is a, a web guide to using manorial records. So you've heard me speak, but you can actually go and have a look at these, at these records. And I did have it up, but I can't seem to find it. So Now, this is very helpful because what they've done is they actually created guides. And they'll tell you which records will be most helpful with your research. So, so they've got sources for family history, and then they list the various types of records that will be of most use to you with your research. So they do one for family history, sort of local history, and property, as well as environmental, which is very helpful. So you can go back to that. If, what they also have, which I think is very helpful, is some, it's, if you click onto the gallery, what they do is they provide you with an example of each type of record. And then, and I'll show you, show you a court book and court roll, which I showed you earlier. This is the Manor Court of Whitehall. So this is um, the original document. And then they, what they've done is got a transcription and a translation. So you can sort of learn to sort of follow the, the format that they're using. And at the end, it will sort of tell you what it was about. Quite, quite handy. And then what I didn't have, so there's an account, which I didn't have a, a 
copy of. All this information is available and um, I'm going to show you the Manorial Documents Register online and you can access this from, from our website. Now there is another website. If you're interested specifically in court roles, um, this is a project uh, that took place for Connorsborough court roles. And what they've done is they've uh, selected specific court roles sort of linked to for, for national events like the Black Death, Peasants' Revolt, to look at see how it affected people in the locality. Do you have a browse button? And then these are the various documents that they have transcribed. And it's similar in, that's the original document there, which I won't click on, but I can show you later at the end. And then they've transcribed it. But what also they've done is created a database behind it so that you can actually search by subject or by name of an individual as well. So that's, that's something that's new that's being developed, um, but unfortunately only for Connorsborough court roles, and they're still looking for funding to take it forward to do the rest of the court roles because it's one of the... It's, got, it's a very good series of records. It's almost complete. So that's quite a good one to, to work with. I'm going to go back. So I um, thought perhaps I'd better ask, has anybody used the Manorial Documents Register before? Or heard of it? Just three? <laughs> and anybody heard of it before? <laughs> one. <laughs> okay. Well... Thank you. <laughs> well, what I, so, for the most of you, you won't know, so I'm sorry if others have heard this before. The other problem for people in locating is actually in locating manorial records. Um, it's often assumed that manorial records will just be located in the local record office. But this isn't always the case. Manorial records for one manor alone can be scattered amongst different local record offices, privately held family estates, cathedral and college collections, as well as national repositories such as British Library and ourselves here at the National Archives. And that is why the Manorial Documents Register is such an important asset for researchers for both family and local history, as well as the legal profession for which it was originally set up, because it brings all this information together in one place. Well, so what is the Manorial Documents Register? Well, it's an index to the nature and location of surviving manorial records for England and Wales. And what it does, it allows researchers to identify all records relating to a particular manner or place, wherever they may be preserved. And as I said before, it's really important because it brings all that information together in one place. Now, it was established in 1926 to enable the legal profession to trace documents relating to a certain type of property record, specifically copyhold. Now, its origins lie in the Law of Property Act, 1922, which, amongst other things, abolished copyhold tenure. Since proof of title to copyhold property can only be found in manorial documents, it was recognised that such documents required official protection and that a register should be compiled to record both the ownership and location of these documents. Manorial records were therefore placed under the care of the Master of the Rolls and a set of manorial documents rules was issued for their protection and preservation. Now, the National Archives, on behalf of the Master of the Rolls, is now responsible for the maintenance of the MDR, which I call the Manorial Documents Register, just to abbreviate it, and the administration of the rules. I thought I'd just briefly mention what the rules are. She says. There are really four of them, but I'm only going to mention the main one, which, is that, which I think is perhaps the most important, and that no manorial records may be removed from England and Wales 
without the permission of the master of the rolls. And, and in practice, this is never granted. However, before 1926, records did go overseas, and so you'll find quite a lot in America. But this has protected them, and that's why I think we're quite lucky, and that's why manure records are really special, because the only group of records, apart from public records, to have any statutory protection. So um, it helps keep them, um, I think, probably better preserved and, and more of them than one might expect. Now, another important rule are that records are defined by the rules as to what manorial records should be entered onto the manorial documents register. Now, I've already mentioned this before, but I will repeat it. So it's court rolls, surveys, maps, terriers, and documents of every description, really relating to the administration of the court, manorial court. But what is specifically excluded from the MDR and, and in the definition of the rules are documents connected with the title of the manor, including deeds, grants, conveyances and legal records. These are not recorded on the manorial documents register. So only the, the records that are noted and defined by the rules here are placed on the manorial documents register. As I mentioned before, the MDR allows users to identify manors in each county in England and Wales only, to find out what records survive for those manors and locate them. Now, originally the MDR was a paper-based index, and as I mentioned, it was set up in 1926, and there was a manorial documents committee which was based here at the Public Record Office, and it was established to gather information to compile the register. So what they did is they advertised in the press, looking for all owners of manorial records, and they used other sources to identify owners, such as the Victoria County Histories of England, Kelly's Post Office Directories, and two lists of owners of manors compiled by the Board of Inland Revenue and the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries. So the committee wrote to all these people and requested that they supplied them with basic details of the documents in their possession. And the information was returned on special pre-printed forms known as returns. Now, the formats varied over the years, but it looks a little bit like this. This is a 1950s return. Now, these are um, kept here at the National Archives, and they are in the record series HMC9. In 1959, the um, Historical Manuscripts Commission took over uh, responsibility for the Manorial Documents Register. And what they did was transferred this information into these little red binders. And I'll show you a picture of those in a moment. So they were transferred into these. Now, about 10 years ago, we started the revision, computerisation, upgrading of the Manorial Documents Register on a county-by-county -county basis. And I've listed here all the counties that have been computerised so far. So it's all the counties in Wales, plus following counties in England, which is Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Cumberland, Hampshire, Isle of Wight, Lancashire, north of the Sands, uh, Middlesex, Norfolk, Surrey, Westmoreland, and the three ridings of Yorkshire. However, the remaining counties are, are still only available by visiting our search room or writing in with an inquiry. That's the paper format. And this is what it looked like in November 2007. Uh, my colleague kindly posed for the photograph. I'm not sure how keen she will be, but I'm showing it to everybody now. Um, the front bit, this little bit here, this is the parish index, and then these were, this is the manor index, and there's two bays behind. But perhaps, as many of you are aware, 
National Archives has gone, undergone somewhat of a transformation. And so the Manora Documents Register was microfilmed. And the microfilm version is available in the map and large document reading room. So what I thought I would do now is uh, look at the uh, non-computerised version first and show you how to use that and then go on to the online version. But as I mentioned, you've got, the, you've got a parish index and a manor index. Now, the um, parish index is arranged by the historical pre-1974 county, arranged alphabetically by parish name within each county. It's really there to give a, a rough indication of the manors in a particular parish. And there's an important thing to remember about manors. A parish can include one or more manors. Manors can cross parish boundaries. And they also can be divided into islands of property across a wide area. So it's something to bear in mind. Now, the idea of the parish index is just to give you a rough indication. And I would recommend using the Victoria County History volumes as well, because it's only a rough indication. So this is a copy of a, a parish index. The important thing to know is that the, the parish is in the centre of the slip. And in the top right-hand corner is the, the manor name. The top name, Water Andrews, is actually an alternative name because it says see also Rookie. Now, Rookie is the authority name, and that's a name that you'll need to use when you go and look at the manorial index. What you do find is that because manors have existed for such a long time, they have lots of variations in names over the, t over the years. But that's the authority name, so Rookie is what you would look for when you go to the manor index. And this is what a... Um, the Manoral Index looks like. This is the slip. It's not going to be very much different from the microfilm version. And in the top right-hand corner is the name of the manor. And then in the left-hand corner is the parish. In the middle is the description of the documents themselves, plus the dates. And at the bottom is the repository. Now, and if you're very lucky, you'd get a, a collection reference. But as you can see, these are a little bit out of date because the Greater London Record Office is now the London Metropolitan Archives and that's what you do find. On the back of the slip will be information about where the information came from, whether somebody wrote in an owner or custodian or whether it's from a, a list from a, a repository to inform us about these records. The, there's something that's really important about the Manorial Documents Register. It's not static. It's growing and changing all the time. And this is through collections being catalogued that we don't know about. And of course the sale of manorial records through auction houses and eBay. So we monitor that, and so we know when things change hand. And part of the rules means that owners are meant to inform us if they change hands or if they move. And we also get, and we have something called a local accessions exercise where various repositories write and inform us what they've received over the year. And that's how we keep a track of some of the manorial records when they've been bought in. And, of course, because it's now on microfilm, any um, update or new addition to the register is going to be added to a folder which you'll, you'll find near the microfilm version. Now, computerisation and the online version is not really a simple act of transferring the information from the paper slips to an electronic database. What we want to do, these are what, what, these are what we see as the benefits. I'm not going to demonstrate this um, when I show you how to use the manorial documents register online. As you saw, manors have various names, so we choose an authority name. But what it allows us to do online is you can search both the alternative names and the authority name, and it will bring it all up for you. 
and also we've also tried to put variants in spelling as well. So that will help. And we also want to improve both the quality and the quantity of the information there. So as you saw, some of the information is out of date. The record office, name of the record office is out of date. We want to give you accurate collection references so you can order up the documents and also be accurate in the records themselves. Because the slip I showed you isn't, isn't one of the common ones. What you'll find is mostly something saying manorial records, 15th to 19th century. It doesn't really tell you very much. It doesn't tell you whether it's a court role, a survey, an extent. And what we do is we break that all down for you on the online version. With projects, what we do is we look at um, uncatalogued collections and search those for records so we can make more information available. And we also contact private owners and make sure that the information is up to date. And of course, it means that we can search better. So instead of just being able to search by the name of the manor, you can now search by parish, by county, uh, by document type, and by date. So it's giving you something extra to be able to search the online version. And of course, it's available online. You can do it from home. You no longer just have to rely to come in here or write in with an inquiry. And of course, it's easier to keep it up to date so that we can make sure that the, where they're located is up to date. Because quite often, private owners sometimes deposit their records at local record offices so we can let you know where it all is and keep you up to date with that. Now, I'm going to demonstrate the online version. This is the home page of the Manorial Documents Register. What it does is it's the welcome section. It reminds you which ones, which of the counties have been computerised so far. So only those can be searched on this database. And then it's a reminder at the bottom as to what records are included on the Manorial Documents Register. And then this little button, find out about using Manorial records, that will take you to the Cumbrian Manorial Record web website that I demonstrated earlier. So that's where you'll find out about the different types of records and what would be most helpful with your research. There are two searches. You can do a basic search. So if I do um, Stepney, I spelled that right? No. <laughs> what it does is um, the blue link if you take, will take you through to all the records. There are 55 records noted for Stepney. Underneath is the alternative or the alias so it's also known as Stebbin Heath. If we click on this, the earliest records are noted first, and then we just scroll down through. What I should say about each entry is, um, if you click on the Guildhall Library, this will take you through to Archon. And this will give you information about the repository, its opening hours, what the access conditions are, particularly for private owners or private collections. So that's something to bear in mind. Sometimes you need to make an appointment. And at the bottom will be the record reference. That will be the, the reference that you would order if you wanted to look at the document itself. And if I scroll down through, it gives you an idea of where the records are held. Um, perhaps one mightn't expect Stepney records to be held in Devon Record Office. Um, but, but this will be related to who the, the Lord of the Manor was because it changed hands a number of times. So it will be wherever the family who had those records, wherever they deposited them. And then there's a reference to the NRA, which National Register of Archives. I don't know, did, have any of you heard of National Register of Archives before? Yep? Okay. Well, for those that haven't, that's an index to the location of 
British manuscripts in the UK and overseas. And this is an example of an NRA catalogue. <laughs> what it does, it provides a, a list from the repository. And why I would recommend looking at that as, as well, as you noted, the, the Manor Documents Register only records those records which are defined as manorial records. But there may be other material that might be of interest to you if you're researching manorial records, title deeds, legal records. And it may be worth looking at the collection. And what it means is that that could be a family or an estate collection. And so it might be worth looking at it as well. So th this really gives you an idea of the range and scope of the records that are held. And then what I'll do is I'll also show you the advanced search. Now, as I mentioned before, this offers us more variety in the searches that we can do. Now, remember me saying about it now allows you to search by alternative names, just not the authority name. So, th so this is one, Eisenhampstead Latimer in Buckinghamshire. And we've searched under the alternative name, and it's brought it up. It allows you to go back in. And again, you can see the large range of records that survive. And it lists all the various names for that particular manner. Okay. And then we could do a county search. And you can also search by keyword. And these are all the records that have boundaries in them for the bounds, the bounds of the manor. But what it will do will only bring up those re particular records relevant to the search. There may be other records for that particular manner, but as you spe specified that it's a particular document type, that's all it will bring up. And you can also do it by um, year. This is, so this is sort of a new, improved version because it didn't used to work properly before, but now it does. And what it will bring up are all those records which cover those dates. So if somebody's specifically interested in, in a particular period, they can do their searches. Now, the other important thing about the Manora Documents Register is a little help icon. And there is a set of sort of definition of what a manor is, but there's also one which is frequently asked questions. And so, as I've been talking, what are, what's a manor? What are manorial records? What is copyhold? Which is quite a popular question. And also, how do you search for the descent of a manorial title? That sort of thing. All that information is there, available on the website. And also, there's a, a glossary to help you with the various ter manorial terms. I think a particular popular one is, um, like if I, is terrier, description of a manor which follows a topographical arrangement. So it gives you the option to find out what all these various terms are. Now, I thought you might be interested in the projects side of uh, the manorial documents register. So I briefly want to mention how we, we go about them. We no longer have the capacity to undertake these projects by ourselves, so we work in partnership with a number of organisations, uh, building on existing working relationships with archives and other organisations. If I talk about some of our latest projects, the Surrey and Middlesex project was undertaken in, with Royal Holloway, the University of London, Surrey History Centre and the London Metropolitan Archives, and that was funded by the Mark Fitch Fund. And then the one with Cumbria, it, that was Cumberland, Westmoreland and Lancashire, north of the Sands, that was led by Lanc the History Department at Lancaster University. And that was in partnership with the National Archives, Cumbria Archive Service, Friends of Cumbria Archive Service, Cumberland and Westmoreland Antiquarian and Archaeological Society. And it was funded by Heritage Lottery Fund. And part of 
that remit was to produce that online version of how to use manorial records. Now, our latest project, completed this year, June 2008, and that's the Berkshire-Buckinghamshire County project. And again, this was sort of mixed funding, privately funded. Uh, so we had, again, the Mark Fitch Fund, which is a charity. And then we had funding from Buckinghamshire Record Society, Buckinghamshire Archaeological Society, Buckinghamshire Family History Society, and also the funding bodies of the Berkshire Record Office and also the National Archives. So you can see we work with a number of different partners. Now, we have no timetable for the computerisation of the remaining counties, and we just take each opportunity as it comes along. But our two latest projects for this year, we've started Hertfordshire, and we're hoping that will finish uh, April, May next year. And we've also started Dorset, which is going to be it's a part-time voluntary project, so imagine it will take about three years to complete. And we're in, currently in discussions with possibly doing Essex as the next county. So we're working our way very slowly, I'm afraid, but we're getting there to make, this, make the manorial documents register up to date and online. Thank you all very much for listening to me. <laughs> This event was recorded live on the 2nd of December 2008 at the National Archives Q. This podcast is copyright to the National Archives. All rights reserved. <laughs>